platform listeners, it's Claudia here from Clayview. We've researched 50 UK retailers and found 80% could improve personalised product discovery. Find out how. Download our new e-commerce discovery report at clayview.com forward slash UK report. Hello and welcome back to the Replatform podcast. Thanks as always for tuning in. It's myself, James, and joined as always by my super energetic uh, co-host, Paul Rogers. How are you doing today, mate? I'm good, thanks. Um, how are you doing? Good, I'll set you up there to see how energetic you were sounding. I know, I thought I'd say it a little bit faster than I usually would. <laughs> I was hoping you might do it in a kind of like singing voice or something, but you let me down. Maybe next time. Yeah, uh, excellent. So we're on to another, another exciting episode, uh, and this is uh, the next one in our customer experience series. So the topic today is using experience analytics to, to supercharge content for site launches. So it sounds like a mouthful, but we'll break down what it means. So from, from uh, you know, our own experience, content can be a thorn in your side when migrating to a new platform. You know, you know, questions like what content do you take with you? What do you need to cull because it doesn't work? What do you need to reformat? What pages work well? What user journeys are important and not, etc. So web analytics tools like Google Analytics, uh, you know, Adobe Analytics, they're great at providing quant data, but they don't give content visualization. A lot of content e-commerce teams, what they really want is visualizations of data to help them grasp insights quickly uh, and not have to be reliant on doing lots of additional data extraction and manipulation themselves to create those visualizations. So data visualization has long been recognized as pivotal towards decision making amongst, uh, you know, not just e-commerce teams, but content teams as well. We thought... Who better to talk about this than one of the leading digital experience analytics platforms, Content Square? Now, a bit of background. For, I know some of you will know them, some of you will be working with them, and others won't have come across Content Square before. But uh, last year, they announced a $190 million Series D funding. So, big, big funding into the platform. It's been uh, expanding rapidly in its capabilities. Platform now uh, analyzes. I think I saw uh, over 10 trillion behaviours daily across more than 700 clients. So it's a vast amount of data that they have experience in in kind of crunching and turning into nice data insights and visualisations. I personally worked on an integration for a luxury jewellery brand, Vashi. Uh, I found what impressed me was the onboarding process, which we'll talk about today, and the data insights you can get quickly through the visualisations, which really sped up the team's decision-making around what they should be doing with content optimization. So today we're welcoming James uh, Fern, who's the Lead Customer Success Manager at Contest Good, uh, good morning, James. Morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Nice to be here. Yeah, and you. Thanks for coming on. So how are you? Yeah, good. Thanks. Good. Glad it's Friday again. But yeah, good. Been a busy start to the year. Lots of exciting things happening at, at Content Square. So yeah, looking forward to having a, a good conversation. Yeah, looking forward to it too. So before we start, we, we do the kind of intro bit about Content Square and the position. Can you let people know a bit more about, about uh, yourself and your role? Yeah, sure. Well, thank you for for the intro. That uh, yeah, did a very good job for me there, for the uh, James. So, uh, so yeah, I'm James. I'm the I guess the lead customer success manager at Content Square for, for Northern Europe. So I look or partly look after the, the customer success team within the region. Um, at Content Square, we are a, a user experience analytics platform. So uh, we we exist to allow our clients, allow companies to to build better digital experiences for for their customers um, through, like you say, visualizing data easier democratizing data and and unlocking really what users are doing on the site and, and why and enhancing the experience from there uh, been here now for about two and a half years um started my journey here as a customer success manager and then moved into more of a leadership role um 
previously spent time working uh, more client side as an analyst. So um, I've I've been on both sides of the fence and experienced some of the uh, uh, the, the, the joys and, and the pains of working client side without a tool such as Contact Square to help visualize data and uh, unlock data. So um, yeah, so I've been in the sort of analytics and optimization industry now for the best part part of five years on both sides of the fence so um yeah i have something that i'm really passionate about and and, and think uh, it's an ever-growing industry i think great and i'll take the first question um so what does a typical content square client look like like what types and sizes of businesses do you generally work with yeah good good question and i think it, it's an ever-evolving one um so we we were founded back in 2012, um, and and back then, and I guess for the for the first few years of our existence, um, retail e-commerce was our bread and butter. Um, due to the ability to optimize pages, optimize checkouts, and and, and show that tangible ROI, retail e-commerce was our bread and butter. Since then, we we've definitely branched out massively, and we're now uh, working with uh, a load of different retail. Uh, verticals and industries automotive pharmaceutical finance insurance so we're now for further and wider um, we're definitely also getting a much better footprint in the larger enterprise businesses um, so we have a really good mixed book now of sort of enterprise businesses but also still the the smbs and, and the medium sizes so i'd say uh, uh we work with all of the a lot i'll say all of them a lot of the 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 main high street retailers that you know, lots of luxury retailers. Um, we work with the likes of uh, all the major sort of furnishing retailers, such as IKEA, Dunelm, Dreams, um, lots of uh, car manufacturers, Toyota, BMW, Skoda. So it's really vast. Um, I think our, our average uh, contract size is around a hundred hundred thousand pounds a year in, in the UK. Um, so, so yeah, a, a nice, nice, nice mix, but definitely getting a, a better footprint in those more enterprise businesses now. Makes sense. Um, and in the context of replatforming, which is obviously the focus of this podcast, um, what are some of the challenges that e-commerce teams have when they're going through a replatforming project that Content Square can help to solve? Yeah, good question. Uh, so I think there's there's a couple from 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 me. So the first thing is to understand better understands the i guess the reasons or the the problems behind the problems you're trying to fix in replatforming in the first place so um what content square can allow e-commerce teams to do is really understand their kpis but not just your your conversion rates your bounce rates but really understand how each page performs um to i guess to better understand and allow you to to optimize those those pages through the replatforming um, at their own level. So we have lots of, I guess, um, unique or individual metrics at Content Square that are UX related that go far deeper than um, just uh, bounce rate or conversion rates. So you look at things like um, exposure rates, so how much of the page our users are exposed to and uh, attractiveness rates. So when somebody sees a bit of content, uh, what percentage of users click on that on that stuff? This is all stuff that is 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 very blind to lots of users, and there's lots of beautiful pages built and beautiful sites built as part of replatformings but do companies actually understand how that content is consumed what's attractive and are they prioritizing the right type of content um, we talk a lot of content square about micro goals and, and not just looking at every part of the site by conversion rate and if we can if we can improve our kpis and, and, and the goals for each page on the site then there will be a natural trickle down effect to conversion rate anyway so um I think just unlocking all that data pre-replatforming is really powerful. And then 
Mm. Uh, also, like, both during and post-replatforming, understanding the impact and being able to constantly optimize. I don't think the job's done once you've gone live on day one with, with your new site. Like, do you know how it's performing um, versus your old site? Do you know where you could potentially make really small incremental enhancements to just keep evolving it? So I think there's there's multiple stages, but I think especially before and after, we can we can provide some more value in really understanding how the site is performing. So linked to that and having gone through this process and, and seen people using the tool, it'd be interesting to hear from your point of view, how should e-commerce teams be using it? So you talk about trying to improve a page where there might be, the content might be working hard enough. Can you can you explain like a couple of practical examples where clients have taken yep. an insight and used it to then change how they're doing something on a page or on a user journey when they're you know, updating a page or launching a new site? Yeah. Yeah, good question. So, a really good example is with with Clark. So, Clark, really uh, famous British shoe retailer. Um, they went through a big replatforming uh, a few years back, and uh, they went live with a new site, and it, it looked beautiful. Like from a UX point of view and design point of view, it looked amazing. Um, and their, when they looked at their sort of traditional analytics through GA, they could see that there was a the GA funnel showed that there was a decrease in the add to bag, for example, on uh, their product pages. Uh, went down, couldn't explain why. Like nothing really changed on the page, but they couldn't understand why there was this decrease in the add to bag rate. So they use some of the unique metrics in Content Square. So we have a, a part of our tool called Journey Analysis, which essentially visualizes uh, users' uh, flow through a site in almost like a, a sunburst or a donut shaped diagram. Um, and they could see that lots of people were were seeing multiple multiple views of the same product page in a row. Um, there was no cross-sell, no upsell on these pages. So there shouldn't really be a way that they they, they see the page again. Um, they then use Content Square to, to, to look at the in-page metrics. And we've got a really interesting in-page metric called time before first click. So you can look at all the different parts of the page and see what is clicked on in what order. Um, and they found that people were clicking on add to bag before the mandatory step of selecting a width. Um, I, I don't think many people knew back then or even now that selecting a width is a thing for, 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 for buying shoes. So... Lots of people were going straight to add to bag, forgetting to set the width, causing the page to reload, error, causing frustration. Uh, they then realized that lots and lots, or well, the vast majority of their of their catalog only had one width. So they made a really simple change of, of any shoe or boots that only had one width, that the width was auto-selected. So therefore, you didn't have to make that, that extra additional click. Uh, they clicked add to bag first time, and it reduced their frustration and everyone was getting through to the checkout um, much, much easier. So um, I think it's a really nice example of through looking at the actual UX metrics that, that we can provide, that you can explain why there's potentially drops in 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 page performance that are, were previously unexplainable. Um, so yeah, that, that's one that Clark's utilised uh, really well. Yeah, nice example. I, I, it's amazing how even with loads of e-commerce expertise and experience looking at something, how you can overlook something so basic as that which to a lay person who's trying to use it from a customer perspective is an obvious thing so yeah nice yeah. example thanks great um and then how does content square help businesses analyze kind of their content and any changes after launch so how deep does that analysis go um what level of reporting do you have and then how much of it is automated versus self-serve really good question again so uh I'll, I'll answer it a little bit in, in reverse order. So the uh, the 
automated versus self-serve one is always a, a fun question to answer. So at our, at our core, at our heart, we are a, a SaaS platform. So um, we we like or we, yeah, we want our clients to be as self-sufficient as possible. One of our main mantras is about democratizing data and not just leaving the analysis down to analysts. And some of our, our, our happiest clients and most successful clients are those where it's used across the whole breadth of digital, be it marketing, be it UX, be it uh, trading. Um, that there's people who weren't previously using data very heavily and now able to use data as part of their day-to-day role um, due to the ease of use. Um, that being said, I think uh, re- reporting is a really important aspect of it. Um, we have... Uh, direct integrations and links into uh, Google Data Studio and even sort of uh, BigQuery and raw data. So we can now automate things and push our data into our client's ecosystem. Um, that being said, uh, the tool itself is is very easy to navigate. And uh, once once it's set up and, and ready to go, um, it's very easy to export the data, download the data, and and we see lots of clients that use our data regularly for uh, weekly, monthly, quarterly reporting. Um, in terms of ha- uh, reporting on content, so the way Content Square works is we have one single tag on our client site, and um, we're capturing every single interaction that a user makes, uh, clicking, scrolling, changing pages, even on unclickable content. Um, we then roll that all up aggregate it up in a nice visual way and push it into our platform to to, to show how users are, are paving on the site. Um, so yeah, we, we can we can help users understand how any content is performing uh, across the site. One of the biggest use cases for uh, a replatforming and how Content Square can help before is to actually strip things back. We've got some uh, nice use cases where where retailers have, have used Content Square to analyze how um, on their list pages, for example, how their left-hand nav is performing. Like the, mo- almost all retailers have got a really big, long left-hand navigation through all different options to to, to filter by, to sort by, and we've seen some really good success with users, uh, with clients who have analysed those those uh, nav and filter options to um, to see what they actually need and, and stripping out the stuff that's not used. Obviously, we know page page speed and, and load speed is a really hot topic at the moment, and uh, I think removing redundant uh, features and copy and, and and options is as important as as adding stuff so there's real value in, in that sort of things as well and the other big one to, to call out on, on a similar note is lots of uh, uh, e-commerce but but sites in general have really fancy bold uh, home pages with often having carousels and lots of images flicking through carousels um, and I think across the board companies have very little visibility over how many users actually interact with those carousels and from that go on to have a positive impact on their, on their journey. And we've got lots of examples of clients who've actually um, reduced the number of images or even taken out carousels completely based on the, the data they get from Content Square. So there's also a, a resource and a, and a time save there when there's obviously people who are creating imagery, creating content, uploading to the site each week. Uh, and do you actually know how it's being interacted with? Um, so there's a few examples there of how it can help in terms of a content uh, analysis point of view. Right. And um, I guess like I'd imagine a lot of particularly like the smaller brands you work with, I'd imagine uh, before they move to Content Square, they're using a Google Analytics um, and then alongside maybe something like a hot jar or a crazy egg. Um, how do, how would this kind of setup compare to something like Content Square? Like, what are some of the key benefits that a digital team might get from Content Square moving from those solutions? Yeah, yeah, and like I say, it what it, it was, and then still is a, a very common transition. Obviously, those, those tools are are 
uh, are basically, but they're, but they're far cheaper. And I think they're those the, the tools that, that you mentioned there. They're they're strong in the uh, or stronger in the in the session replay part of I guess UX analytics. So companies like the ability to be able to watch real customers on their site. Um, previously, I guess in Content Square's earlier years, we were all about. Um, aggregating data and how looking at random sessions is not going to lead you towards the insights that are actually going to move your needle. You need to look at things in an aggregated way to see how most of your customers are experiencing the site and what are the biggest problems to solve. So I think through Content Square, uh, first of all, you have that ability to look at things at a far more aggregated view and see what are the biggest problems you need to solve and what are the biggest opportunities to to solve. that being said, I think over the last 18 months or so, we've really understood the value in session replay and we've massively and heavily invested in our session replay offering. So we, we think now that our, our session replay offering, the way that it links with the rest of our modules is, is really powerful and it really ties up our, our aggregated view, but also allows you to, to dive in and watch certain sessions based on, on certain behavior. So one of the things I mentioned in the introduction, James, is that, that I've been through an onboarding process with with Vashi, and I was I, I was impressed. I found it a, a well structured approach. For those listening who don't understand what your onboarding process is, can you talk them through? Like, how long does it take to get live? Yep. What what would influence the length um, to get live, etc.? And what effort does a client team need to bring to that process? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you asked. So I think obviously. I think the, the the technology itself is 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 really cool and and it, it works wonders. But I do generally believe that the the people and the team we've got here is a massive differentiator and it, and it's really powerful. So um, I know uh, it's a it's a it's a sexy way of saying we've got we ha- it's, a, it's a single tag or one tag solution. Obviously, it's not quite as simple as that. But our implementation cycle is really really short. So just to import end to end implement the tag to having access. I think the, the average for 2020 was around 17 days, which I think is really quick. So essentially, we have a, a dedicated team of uh, implementation managers whose job is purely to customize our tag to each client's needs and uh, help our, our clients deploy. So essentially, the end-to-end process is post-signing, uh, we would send out um, a, a form, a, a virtual form to fill in with all of your site details. So what domains to track, uh, any pop-ups or overlays to look out for, um, what PII needs to be masked, um, all the sort of the, the the details that we need to make sure the tag is, is, is fit for purpose, any integrations, any VOC tools, any A-B testing tools, um, that we can integrate with. Once that's filled out, that then gets sent back to us. We then have a really um, succinct, short call between our tech team and the client's tech team. Um, we then have an, an online ticketing system where all the different tasks uh, are laid out for, for both us and, and clients to perform. From then, it's just a case of the, the, the client simply dropping our tag into their tag management system. Um, we will then collect five days worth of data, run a data check, once everyone's happy that the data is 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 matching your other analytics tools, then then we're good to go and we can we can begin the training. Um, uh, but between then and the training, we like to run what we call a, a kickoff session between um, the the customer success or the, the client services team at Content Square and the the key stakeholders at the client side to understand what are your objectives, what are your key projects for the year, be it a replatforming, be it a, whatever it may be, what it, what your what your key missions for for the next six twelve months, and uh, how can Content Square support you with that? Um, and from there, we, we we fly straight in. We've got a really thorough onboarding program um, that is is it, intense, but it doesn't take too much time, and it leaves uh, a really 
core group of users are our clients um, feeling very comfortable, very autonomous uh, uh, and uh, already generating insights and, and value from the partnership very, very quickly. So yeah, really, really proud of the onboarding program from, 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 from start to finish. And I think it works really well. So um, one quick thing, actually, you, you, you touched on us and it came up in the in the integration I was working in, PIR masking. Um, can you clarify to people who might not know what that is, what, what is that and why is that important to them from a compliance point of view? Yeah, good good point. So essentially every PII stands for personal personally identifiable information or something in that realm. And so you could be on a on a checkout and typing in your address and your card numbers, or you could be logging into a my account section and you're putting in your own personal details. And obviously um, we our tag out of the box, our main tag captures none of that. We don't capture any information. However, because session replay is a, is a is a part of our platform, we need to make sure that we're not capturing any um any of that information in our session recordings. Um, uh, so what we what we do is we 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 have a, a snippet of code that we will get our clients to, to implement uh, uh, across the site uh, in those areas where there is PII. Um, so essentially, when you're watching the sessions, everything will be visible on the page, all the text, apart from those parts of the page which will just be would, which will just be grayed out. So it's a really important step to to, to make sure that we're we're um, I guess adhering to all standards. I think data privacy and security is hugely important to us. We we really are striving to become a, a leader in aspects. So yeah, we're we're very hot on the um on the PII and the, the privacy side of things. Yeah, and it's an important one, I think, for anyone listening to understand that yeah, there there are requirements sometimes from client teams in the setup of how that they're tr- pushing data on pages to make sure that they they align with that compliance as well. Um and then linking back to the onboarding is what well, yeah, a common a common theme in investment in third parties is people spend money and then they don't always make um, full use of them. And then people start to perceive the tool isn't as good as they hoped it was, which is it's always a challenge for any vendor. Um, yeah. So what what is the, in the onboarding bit, how do you help new clients get the most from the toolkit? Like what, what upskilling is there so that they, they hit the ground running? Yeah, good question. So uh, we actually, so we have a, Within the the realm of customer success, which is the team that I look after, we have multiple different uh, roles, and each different role specialises in a different part of that customer journey. So we have a dedicated team of people that essentially are previously called uh, onboarding managers, and their job is purely to onboard our clients uh, to a stage where they're getting value from the tool and they know how to use it uh, for, for for their specific role. So. What we'll do is before we run any training or anything like that, we will have a, a really thorough, I guess, discussion, sit down with the client to understand what you're looking to get out, out of the platform, what your key use cases, what problems you're trying to solve, what questions you're trying to answer. We will then shape the training and the onboarding around that content. So, for example, if we know you're about to go through a big PDP redesign, we can make the training and make the onboarding focused around those specific use cases. So we have a, a couple of sessions or two or three sessions that are all about uh, learning the tool, how to set it up, how to actually use the individual modules, which are, of course, very important. We then have a, a certification session where all the users take, a, um, I guess, an, an exam that, that shows they have the really core basic understanding of the platform um, and and if they get they get a nice certificate they can stick it on LinkedIn and it, and it works really well um, we then after that as part of the onboarding program our team runs uh, a workshop uh, where we actually 
do a piece of uh, analysis on our client site uh, based on their preference, based on, on uh, a priority that's coming up. So we do a piece of analysis and we then present it back in, in workshop form. So um, we'll do it on uh, on a PDP on desktop, for example. Uh, we'll then present it back. So A, we're, we're instantly presenting back insights and recommendations to, to implement, which is proving, which is, providing value really quickly but then in that session as, as well we, we will then get the clients to replicate the analysis on a different device or a different page type and walk them through and take them through how you should be using content square in action on your own use cases so that session to me is super valuable and really really important um and, and in theory at the end of that session you've got loads of different people we've got a bunch of really actionable insights they can then go and test and implement around the site to help prove the value of content square really really quickly Great. Um, and I've never used Content Square, unfortunately, but um, from talking to James, uh, it sounds like you've been busy expanding the feature set recently. Um, can you talk us through your recent acquisition of Dareboost and what find and fixes and how that works um, and how you think it adds value to e-com teams? Yeah, absolutely. So I think we've we've always been really strong in the... Uh, obviously, analytics, but in the in the use case of uncovering opportunities so it wasn't all about maintaining a site we want to use our data to uncover opportunities and, and push the boundaries and see what how you can make the best offering you've got i think through the acquisition of or firstly clicktail and now through through dareboost and and the evolution of find and fix we're now i think much much stronger in the uh, troubleshooting use case and site performance site speed um and just site maintenance, which at the end of the day is absolutely critical. Like if, if you haven't got a, a working, functional, speedy site, then optimizations become almost redundant, right? So I think we, we recognize we needed to become stronger in that area, and we've done so. So so Dareboost is a, uh, a French company we've acquired, and they're essentially a, a synthetic monitoring tool. So uh, they, they monitor the, the speed of your site, um, uh, they'll, they'll provide, we provide really detailed reports to show uh, what's causing any delays in site speed. Obviously, site speed is a, is a hot topic, but there's multiple aspects to that. Uh, which part of the of the site speed is, is causing an issue? Are there certain tax firing? Is it the way that images are compressed? Is it the way content's being served? Um, we can provide actual really tangible um, recommendations on how to improve the actual performance of your site, which is which is really important. And that sort of rolls up nicely into our find and fix offering, which is all about troubleshooting and and finding problems and fixing them faster. So we've now got much stronger um, JavaScript um, and uh, error detection capabilities. So we, we're constantly monitoring um, sort of the, the back end of our customer sites to, to provide uh error detection much much better um and this all links back to our to our sort of session replay and and, and being able to quantify th these issues and watch them much quicker so we find an error on your site we, we notice your site speed as has has gone up massively we can see that there's an error firing in the console we can quantify how many people are, are seeing that error and we can watch direct links of customers experiencing the issue so um the whole point of find and fix is to allow companies and our, our clients to find problems and, and fix them much, much faster. Um, and just one other thing I wanted to touch upon is that we recently acquired as well a company called uh, Adapt My Web, which is a, another French company all about web accessibility. Um, I think it's going to become a, a huge thing in, in I guess, 3 one and beyond with, with with the, I guess, the ever-growing move to digital. But I think making sure that our sites are actually usable for 
anyone with any sort of impairment is is really really critical and important. So we're we're going to be building in in um, into our platform the ability to to actually change the content on your site based on someone's needs, be it colorblind, be it dyslexia, be it. Uh, partial blindness we can actually change the content based on your accessibility needs so just another um another acquisition we've recently made that i think is, is a really exciting one for this year i think that's um a really good one like yeah it feels like every like with all the ada stuff and even the, yeah. even in europe like everyone's uh kind of yeah trying to work on uh accessibility compliance and yeah i think that's a really good one to build into your tool set there aren't that many vendors really in that space apart from like yeah a few kind of smaller ones um, yeah, uh, just just on that, if you if yeah. you want to take a look at it, if you go onto Content Square's just homepage, there's a there's a widget in the corner where you can actually just play around with it and and change the content based on your needs. So do feel free. There's there's a little magnifying glass in the bottom left hand corner you could you can play around with. So I do encourage people to go and, go and have a look at that. Great. Um, and then a lot of what we've talked about so far, and a lot of your features generally are targeted towards e-commerce businesses. Um, you talked a little bit about um, like some of the car brands and things like that, that I, I guess are non-e-commerce uh, clients. Can you talk a little bit around how the product differs for non-e-commerce businesses and also how big that kind of segment is for you? Yeah, good, good question. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a big segment. It's an, it's an ever growing segment, and um, I almost, I, I think Content Square works brilliantly for those non-ecom clients because for those non-ecom clients, I think content is even more important. Um, like you're, you're not encouraging people to buy stuff. The, the, the stuff on your site is, is often to lead to an action potentially days, weeks, months down the line. Um, so I think making sure that people are engaging and consuming your content is is even more important. Um, one thing I mentioned earlier on was we, we talk a lot about micro goals. We don't measure any we don't have to measure anything or everything by conversion. So um, to a, a car company, for example, they may want you just to book a test drive or download a brochure. So we can in Contact Square set that as the conversion goal. And monitor all the content by the conversion goal of downloading a brochure or booking a test drive, or it could be um, through a, a pharma company um, downloading some sort of content or booking an appointment, whatever it may be. We can analyze the content across the site by each different company's specific goal, um, which makes it really powerful. But I think just in general, we, we've had loads of success with with non-econ companies by really simply rearranging content um i think uh, people go on those sites to understand things and to educate themselves and through content square you can really really quickly and easily see what content is being consumed where are people spending their time and it's really simple to to rearrange pages and rearrange structure uh, around the data that we've got Great. Um, and then can you share any case studies um, of any kind of specific non-e-com clients that um, maybe have had a really good impact or experience with Content Square? Yeah. So uh, we work with, like I said before, lots of the major car brands in, in the UK. Uh, had a really successful um, case study this year with a leading car retailer in, in the UK where obviously they've got these pages uh, all around um uh, buying buying cars online or, or buying them buying them in in the showroom and they have a uh, a carousel featuring all their all their their main cars um, and the order that they put these cars in was based on the ones they wanted to sell the ones they wanted to push more. What we did in Content Square was really really quickly show them that there were cars on numbers five six seven on the carousel for example 
that were far more attractive to the user and they're the ones they, they wanted to go towards so they made a really quick change where they literally just flipped the order around of the cars being shown on the site um, and they saw a huge uplift in, in clicks on the car imagery or on brochure downloads and and just the, all the positive the positive sentiments that they get from their customers um, they saw a big uplift in that so i think that was just an example of showing that showing um this this car retailer this is the content that your client your, your, your customers want to see put it in front of them and you'll see the results from it yeah nice example and and what what's next are you the 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 fundraising we talked about earlier you're you've done acquisitions you're rolling out new features all the time but what can customers expect what's going to be the the core stuff that's coming in 2021 that you can talk about yeah, sure. So obviously, we've spoken a lot today about the um, the, the core offering. Uh, we we also have Content Square on on apps. So um, I think we're we're definitely going to be developing our our app functionality. So understanding how users are behaving on on apps. Um, you talk a little bit there, uh, Paul, about non e-commerce examples. Even lots of uh, e-com retailers have apps that are more of a community or more of an exploratory journey and not necessarily to buy stuff and i think they're they're recognizing that as an ever-growing channel of, of ways to retain customers so um we're definitely growing in the, in the app space um we're also uh we've also got a uh, a merchandising tool that we, we're building into the platform we've built into the platform that that, that allows i guess trade and merch teams to really understand um how products are being bought, what products are being bought together, what products are being seen together, um, and really optimize sites um, based on, on that side of things. So the funding is really important. I think it allows us to massively accelerate on our existing roadmap um, and and I guess just just keep going, keep going with the big big push this year in terms of web accessibility, um, site speed, um, and unlocking um, the rest of those those user experiences. Cool. Yeah, I was just playing around with that accessibility tool on your website while you were talking. It was quite interesting. Um, so I guess the, the, the final uh, question for me, James, is if people want to reach out and find out more, um, how do they do that? And, uh, and what level of demo are you able to provide with the platform? Yeah, sure. So I guess the simplest way would be um, if you go to contentsquare.com, um, there is a, a nice big uh, request a demo button in the top right hand corner. Um, and that'll then get passed through to, to the relevant team. Uh, if not, more than happy for anyone to, to reach out to me on, on LinkedIn or, or via email. Um, we'd love to, uh, to to run some demos and show you in, in more detail what the platform does. Um, we've got lots of different demo environments around various different verticals. So don't worry if, if you're not an e-com retailer or if you're working in a slightly obscure uh, industry. Do, do please reach out. We would love to talk talk to you and, and, and show you how Content Square could, could help you in your business. Fantastic. Uh, and uh, Paul, did you have any other questions? We covered all the stuff that I was interested in. No, I don't think so. I think, yeah, it covered loads of stuff. And I think, yeah, all of these questions are interesting. And um, yeah, everything that I would want to know has been covered, really. Fantastic. Uh, cool. So uh, thanks, James, for joining us and giving up your time. Uh, thanks to everybody, as always, for listening. We hope it's been interesting and useful. If you haven't already, do subscribe to the podcast and share with anyone else you think be interested. We have new episodes every week. And also we have our, our kind of sister uh, uh, YouTube TV channel, Replatform TV, where you can get practical e-commerce optimization tips as well. Please do go and check that out and subscribe as well. So join us again next week for another episode in our customer experience series. And this time we'll be looking at the uh, Metro customer experience platform. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day, everyone. <laughs>